Father, give me grace to minister to your people. Give me wisdom, divine wisdom. Give me deep understanding of your ways and of your will. And let me minister unto your people and preach unto your people. Let me just be a channel, a channel of blessing for your people. Thank you, Spirit of God, in Jesus' name. Amen. The grace of God. I am going to look at grace from six aspects, six perspectives. And it's going to help us to define and situate what grace is. All I'm going to do is to add to what has already been excellently shared here. So let me begin by talking to you on what I call. So I'm going to look at six areas. Number one is the sufficient grace. Sufficient grace. So what is sufficient grace? And are you enjoying the sufficient grace? What is the evidence that you there's sufficient grace in your life? The whole idea of grace is to enable you first to discover how totally dependent you are on God and how God is totally committed to you. So sufficient grace. I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians 17 from the verse 7 to 9. Therefore, in order to keep me from being consighted, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake. I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul the Apostle, one of the most outstanding apostles, in fact, he is the most outstanding apostle in the Bible. Wrote almost half of the New Testament. The pistols, he wrote almost half of the pistols in the New Testament. In fact, God used him so much that his apron, his handkerchief, or handkerchief that have touched his body, could go and heal the sick and raise the dead. This was the man that somebody fell from a window and died. He just went and laid on the person. And by the time he was getting up, the person was getting up. 
God really used Paul. He planted several churches. God really used him. But then something happened to Paul. So I'll go back to 2 Corinthians from the verse 12. Say, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited. You know, when God is using you, when things are happening in your life, when great things are happening in your life, when God is blessing you, when God is giving you all that you need, sometimes there can be a certain amount of proud pride in your heart. So that you can carry a certain amount of pride in your heart. You can become very proud. And the way God was using Paul, Paul could, could stand anywhere and say, I am an angel. Or stand somewhere and say, I am God. You know, or stand somewhere and say, the Bible says that I am God and people would have worshipped him. Paul could have done it. So prevent that, to, pre to prevent that from happening, God gave him what he himself described as a thorn in his flesh. And he went further to describe that thorn as a messenger of Satan to torment him. So what is this thorn in Paul's flesh? Many theologians have tried to assume. Some said that he was going blind. And whilst he was praying for the sick to get healed, he was going blind some said he had this fever that he dealt he tried everything he fasted prayed used all manner of medicines but the fever would not go some said it was this migraine some said it was a human being tormenting him whatever it was whatever was tormenting paul there were two things that must keep or three things one it was a thorn in his flesh two he prayed about it and today, God answered the prayer. But God's answer to that prayer was different from what Paul was expecting. God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. This should tell us that it is not every problem in our life that God wants to solve. He can. In fact, sometimes he allows a messenger of Satan he allows a thorn in your flesh. He allows a messenger of Satan to become a thorn in your flesh. So that he, God himself, can do whatever he wants to do in your life. In the case of Paul, God wanted to keep him humbled. And God allowed something Paul caused a thorn in his flesh. It was painful. Very painful. He was a man of prayer was a man of supernatural encounters. He was a man of miracles. He was a man that God used very much. And here Paul said, I prayed not once. I prayed not twice. I prayed three times. It was a reason why the Jews pray every three, three times a day. The Jews believe, the Jews believe that if you pray once, twice, and thrice, God must answer. It was a strong religious belief. And people had testimonies about these beliefs. And yet Paul the apostle, the man whose apron, 
whose handkerchiefs could heal the sick, was sick. The man who could rebuke uh, the devil, the man that Satan himself testified that he knew him. The man who was a demon tormentor has now become the person who was being tormented. And he prayed to God. God said, my grace is sufficient. 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 You see, most of us are going through things they have become tongues in our flesh. We have prayed, we have fasted. It has brought tears to our eyes. And we want to give up. It could be marriage. It could be divorce. It could be financial. It could be accommodation. It could be anything. You've been praying. You've been praying. Asking God. And it has become a thorn. A painful thorn. Hurting you. And you are about to give up. If you are not just talking too much. But also listening to God. You may be hearing God telling you. My grace is sufficient for you. You may be hearing God telling you, I don't intend to solve these problems, but I am giving you grace to survive it. Sometimes it's not every success story that gives glory to God. Sometimes a survival story is a great testimony. So, the sufficient, a sufficient grace from God is a divine enablement that allows you, enables you to survive the most difficult seasons of your life. Sit down quietly and ask yourself, how did I survive this? How did I go through this? How? How did I go through this? There is always a divine power around you that enables you to go through difficulties. Look at this scripture. Look at verse 9. He said, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. When, when that situation has made you so weak, has made you so weak, you are, you are weak in prayer, weak in your faith, weak in your service to God, weak in everything. And then that is where God's power is made perfect in your life. We have been there before where you realize that this thing has hit you so much that your faith has become weak, your prayer life has become weak, your, your interest in praise has become weak, everything around you has become weak, and then suddenly, suddenly, you see that something is holding you through something is keeping you through something is walking you through something is holding you and keeping you through it is the power of god his power is made perfect in your weakness it may be a messenger of satan it may be a thorn in your flesh it may be tormenting you but he sent me to tell you that you are not going down because his grace is sufficient for you. He sent me to tell you it will not end in shame because his grace is sufficient for you. 
He sent me to tell you, do not panic because his grace is sufficient for you. He sent me to tell you that you are not going to die because his grace is sufficient for you. He sent me to tell you, you may not have money in your accounts, but you will not die out of hunger because his grace is sufficient for you. He, may he sent me to tell you, your landlord has given you a quick notice, but he wants me to tell you, you will not sleep outside because his grace is sufficient for you. You may not have gone to school, you may not have any certificate for a job, but God says I should tell you, you will not be jobless forever because his grace is sufficient for you. There may be witches and wizards in your house, but God says they will not kill you because his grace is sufficient for you. You may be sick in your body, but God says that sickness will not kill you because his grace is sufficient for you. That man is walking out of your life. The Lord says, don't worry, his grace is sufficient for you. That woman is walking out of your life. The Lord says, don't worry, the grace, his grace is sufficient for you. You are losing business. You are in debt don't worry the lord says his grace is sufficient for you his power will be made perfect will be made perfect in your weakness his grace is sufficient for you i am a product of sufficient grace if I see where I've come from, sometimes I get out of something and ask myself, was I in here? How did I survive it? How did I survive it? How did I get out of this? His grace, his grace, his grace is sufficient. It's enough to take you through. It's enough to take you through. You have enough grace to take you through. Look at that sister, look at that brother. Tell, don't look down on me. Say, don't despise me. I have enough grace to sail through. The second grace I want us to look at is the saving grace. The saving grace. Ephesians 2 verse 8 from the New Living Translation. God saved you by his grace when you believed. Now hear this. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is a gift from God. Salvation is a gift from God. And it came to you not because you deserved it. Not because you deserved it. He came to you because of his grace. The gift from God. A gift from God. Sometimes, sometimes, when I hear believers talking, the pride, the arrogance, which we they talk, it's as if they bought salvation. You know, sometimes when we look at other people, you drive past the prostitute center, you look at them and you judge them. You could have been them. Grace saved you. 
You could have been them. Grace saved you. I look at the people I grew up in my community. I look at how some have become drug addicts. I look at how some have become um, alcoholic. I look at how some have just died. Recently, when my big brother came, he asked that we go and visit some old friends. You won't believe. You won't believe what be. But the more you see these things, the more humble you become because you know grace found you. You know grace found you. You know that who you are serving the Lord this morning. Do you know there are people this morning who are crying on their bed asking this question, why can't I go to church? And look at you, you are here. You are taking this for granted. You are taking it for granted that you, 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 you see, sometimes you think that it took discipline for you to stop smoking. It took discipline for you to stop womanizing. It took your, your, your self-discipline for you to pray. You, you think, you think, you think that is what this is about? It is a gift God gave you. Can a man receive anything? A man can receive nothing unless it is given to him from above. Whatever you can do for the Lord, it was given to you from above. 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 Be graceful to him and humble yourself. Do not be judgmental. My big sister Olive, when we all got born again and she was struggling to get born again, she shared with me later. That on Sunday morning, she would stand in our, mirror, in our window and would look at people going to church and she would start crying. Then why can't I also go to church like these people? Sometimes you look at that next door neighbor and you despise them for smoking weed. For instead of asking, thank God, I thank you for this gift of salvation you have given me. It could have been me. When I see believers, if I dash you a car and you bring the car to church and you want people to feel that those who don't have cars are hopeless people. Do you know what I did for the bishop to give me a car? Do you know? And you see, people have this we call equalization. When we don't want to be graceful to people, when we don't want to be graceful, when we don't want to owe people gratitude, we try to equalize. We try to, do you know what I did before he gave me this? Do you know what I did before he gave me this? It's not that we bring it to God. We bring it to God. We bring it to God. Some of us, we think that when, when I traveled recently having meetings with, with vice chancellors of top universities, I mean, astute academicians, I mean, top level people, having lunch with them and having dinners with them, and we're discussing about the future of Africa and the programs we want to. Anytime I left those meetings, I just said, God, you have been so gracious to me. You have been so gracious to me because I never forget where he picked me from and how far grace has brought me. Being born again is a gift. Having salvation is a gift. And if somebody gives you a gift, 
you must appreciate the person and keep the gift very well and try to tell other people who are looking for that gift that there's a man who has enough and he can give you. His name is Jesus. Now, if I give you a gift and you are ashamed to testify that I gave you that gift, I put a, a requesting mark on you. Why are you ashamed to testify? Why have I given you scholarship and you can't stand before the congregation and say, Daddy gave me scholarship? Why can't you say it? Why? Why can't you say it? Why can't you say? Why can't you say? And some of us, that's the way we are. Why can't we tell the world about the gift of salvation? Why? Why is it so difficult to tell your friend about the gift of salvation? Why is it so difficult? Is it because you are doing things? That you yourself, you know that the people will say you are not appreciating this gift. You are not. One of my sons gives me shoes. Anytime he travels and comes home, he gives me shoes. Anytime I wear the shoe, I take a picture of it and send it to him. And say, thank you for giving me this. I have to let him know I love it. I appreciate it. Pastor Principal here brings me shoes, brings me shoes, bring me shirts. Anytime he travels. So that when I come to church with it, I just wear it and take a snap and send it to him. Just to let him know I appreciate it. I love it. How many of you can just do a short video of yourself telling the whole world? Telling the whole world, one minute video, telling the whole world about the gift of salvation that Jesus has given you. And the impact of that gift of salvation on your life, on your family. Do you know that you have successfully raised your children well because of the gift of salvation? Do you know that you have successfully kept your gift, kept your career, and you have progressed up to where you are because of the gift of salvation? The greatest miracle is not the crippled walking. The greatest miracle is not the blind seeing. The greatest miracle is your salvation. And if I have salvation, I don't have a house. Why am I complaining? If I have a salvation, I don't have a car. Why am I complaining? Why am I talking as if God has never done anything for me? You were on your way to hell. You were on your way to destruction. And he met you and carried you from the ways of destruction. And brought you to life. He gave you life. He gave you abundant life. He gave you everlasting life. He gave you life. Are you here? That is what you should be celebrating God for. Christianity is more a man's life that's not consist of abundance of things he has. Because life is more important than cars, more important than houses. Lush. We lost one of our brothers whilst I was away, brother Victor. And yesterday I was in his house. His cars are covered. Big house, he wasn't there. He has more projects going on. He wasn't there. A 
this life does not consist of the abundance of things you have. Some of us have been so ungraceful to God because we don't have cars, we don't have houses, we don't have the things people have. Some of us, our focus is wrong. Our focus is wrong. What shall it profit a man if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? Your soul is more valuable than the whole world. And it is that soul that he has given you salvation for. And you must be grateful to him. What shall it profit a man? And you are going after the whole world. And because you don't have the whole world, you are not appreciating the life he has given you, salvation. For free, you did not buy it. Sometimes when you get this for free, you misuse it. I'm reviewing my scholarship policy. Because I'm a man, I can change. But God cannot change. There were some people got scholarship and because they got it so cheap and free you don't appreciate it they are filling their papers and when they ask them to rewrite they want scholarship for failure they will make savior feel like he's a bad man we go to the same church and I failed. You're asking me to pay to rewrite exam. And then some of them will have the courage to come to you. Somebody gave you scholarship and you are failed. I'm about to withdraw the scholarship. And then you come to me and say, Daddy, please. You gave me a scholarship, but they say I should pay. You are paying for what? Examination. But this school, we don't pay for examination. Your fees is part of the examination. And I fail one paper and they say I should pay for that one. I say, Yeah, you have to pay for that one. Daddy, please, I beg you. I say, No, you can't beg. This one is judgment day. You can't beg. On judgment day, you cannot beg. But see, that's the truth. When, when we receive something, if, do you know that if God sold salvation for us, all of us will hold it very well. Okay, let me move on. Number three is the grace given to us. So it's the sufficient grace, the saving grace, and number three, the grace given to us. The grace given to us. Romans 12, 6 to 8. We have different gifts. Now note that. We have different gifts. Different gifts. According to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Also note, in accordance with your faith. So there is a gift that is called grace. It is given to each one of us. But we use it in accordance with our faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So God has given each one of us grace. Another word for this type of grace is called gift. And it is given to us. Each one. So you see what I'm doing here? Okay. I, am, I have the grace, the gift to teach. So it's the grace given to me. Judah has the gift to sing. It's the grace given to him. 
His wife gifts, he has a gift to sing. It's a grace given to her. Kobe has the gift to sing. It's a grace given to him. Pastor Kevin has the gift to lead worship. It's the grace given to him. It's a gift that God has given to all of us. It is this grace God has given that opens doors for us. I have the grace to build human beings. I have the grace to raise leaders. I have the, that's why God brings me. God has not bring me already made materials. He brings me ordinary people and tells me, raise these people for me. I'm giving you raw materials. Raise them for me. Young people, raise them for me. That is my gift. I can see potentials in people. I can tell people what they can become. I can just call them. I am not controlling you. I am not controlling your life. But it's not everybody who even can see what is deposited in them. You can't go to hospital and tell the doctor that I am, it is my body. I know what is wrong with me. No. It is your body, but there are some things in your body that you don't know what is wrong with you. Somebody has a grace to know. So there are, there are people I meet, especially this generation, who feel that it's my life, don't detect for it for me, but I can tell by looking at you what you can become. It's my grace. It's a grace God has given me. It is not my property, but it is a grace God has given me. Mommy has the grace to pray. So sometimes when my pastor friends come and they say, my wife is not praying like your wife. Mommy has the grace to serve. When you come to my house, and if we have traveled, we have traveled. And we that we have traveled, when people come to our apartment to visit us, mommy serves them like we are the host. It's a grace. That is a grace. All of us have graces. Everybody carries something very, very unique. You were a carrier of a certain gift. That gift, the Bible calls it the grace. It's a grace of God. It is not you. It, it did not come from your mother or father. Even if it came from them, God wired them to send it to you. That's why everything you are and whatever you have become, you must use it to serve God. Whatever you have, you must use it to serve God. 1 Corinthians 3, 10 to 15 says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, or hay, or straw, their work will be thrown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what you have built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss but yet will be saved. Even though only as one escaping through the flames. Let me explain this to you. Listen, listen. Paul trying to explain what this grace giving to us is. Takes a construction firm and say imagine we have gone to site i paul being the leader i have the grace as an expert builder 
I laid the foundation. And all of you, you use, this, you use your grace to build on the foundation I have laid. He was trying to show people how God builds a church. So I am the expert builder here. I've laid this foundation called the Pleasant Place Church. Everyone here is supposed to use your grace to build on the foundation. And there's only one foundation. The foundation is Jesus. If I am doing anything that does not point to Jesus, I am building a weak foundation and you will waste your grace. That's why my sermons must exalt Jesus Christ, must edify the saved and evangelize the lost. Any other way, I am not building on the foundation Jesus. So I lay the foundation here. Your gift, you must use your gift. There is nothing in you that God is not looking for. You are a journalist, God is looking for it. You are a communicator, God is looking for it. Esther is an accountant, God is looking for it. Mr. Hinkra is a leadership expert, God is looking for that gift. Mr. Segbefia is a pharmacist, God is looking for that gift. Mr. Amos is a Chinese specialist, God is looking for that gift. You have to open a branch in China for him. All of us carry giftings. Apart from our spiritual gifts, there are talents that God is looking for. And a church is like a construction site you come to build on. But Paul argues further and says that what kind of material are you using? What kind of material are you using? He talks about gold, silver, stone, wood, clay, straw. He said every man's work will be tested by fire. This morning, I was praying for one of my sons. And I told him, I told him, whilst I was praying, the Lord gave me an utterance. And I said, I said, the fire will not burn you because you are gold. The fire will not burn you because you are gold. You will come out better. The quality of our work. On the judgment day, unbelievers will be judged on why they did not accept Jesus. But you will be judged on the quality of your work. You were a member of the Pleasant Place Church. An angel will appear with a long pencil. You were a member of the Pleasant Place Church. Yes. Your bishop laid a very good foundation, which is Jesus. Now let's see how, what you built. Okay. Okay. You were part of the PR and comes. But you were not going to church on Fridays and Wednesdays. Why were you not in church on... Pierre and comes, are you listening? Why were you not in church on Wednesdays and Fridays? Oh, my job, my job. Oh, so God made a mistake giving you a job, eh? Okay, okay. So if your bishop invited a, a prophet, you wouldn't have gone to service in the evening? Okay, okay. Oh, nice, nice, nice. You are making heaven, but you... <laughs> the quality of your work is straw, 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 straw. So go through this fire. When you enter this fire to heaven, you will go as if the, you entered as if you are. You escaped through the fire. Ube right heavens now. You will enter heaven, but you'll be smelling smoke. They'll know that you 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 struggled hard to come. You struggled to enter because you did not use the grace God gave you to build something quality for Him. It was like me. 
when I was young and I was not doing well in school, I always entered the next class by somebody beating somebody by just 0.5. So I mean, when I enter there, I keep quiet. Oh. I don't talk. Because if you go and talk and your teacher says, you cry, go back. <laughs> and some of us say, we'll come to heaven, we can't talk. We'll just be hanging around. Just be hanging around. Hey, Charlie. <laughs> you'll be there, sir. Some people will be passing. Oh, we just went to have lunch with Jesus. Uh, was it sweet? <laughs> he said, hey, very nice. Go and eat some. Hey, Charlie. <laughs> I'm smelling smoke. If I get there, I may be... Jesus said, ah, you, you came through the fire, eh? You escaped through the fire, eh? Please, use the grace given to you to build the kingdom. Actively get yourself involved in the service of the Lord. There will be somebody from PRN comes. That angel will look and say, oh, PRN comes. I've been expecting you. You were in church on Sunday on time to fix the place. Wednesday, you were there. Friday, you were there. You were a shining gold. And you say, when you are walking through heaven with your crown on, you are very proud. Oh, you are very proud. One, one Christmas, my mother managed to get me some clothes to wear. That year, she went to sew. The previous Christmas, we were spending with secondhand clothes. So I used to hide from my friends. But this one, my mother had some money and sewed. That, that political suit was very popular. Hey, my mother sewed for me a blue-black political suit. When you are past, you have not even seen me. I'll call you. I'll call you for nothing. You must see. You must see in heaven, eh? We'll be calling people because my crown will be shining. And some people will be dodging. I mean, I'll call you when I see you dodging. Hey, 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 hey. Why are you dodging? All the preaching I preach, you do not obey. You do not serve the Lord. So, so you have a bald hair in heaven. Okay. Let me conclude. Number four is the surpassing grace. Surpassing grace. Surpassing grace. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 14. And in their prayers for you, in their for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Surpassing grace is, is, is something that is bigger than even you. You know, sometimes you can, you can achieve things that you know that this one is not me. When I meet all these people, I know with the African accent, they'll find it difficult to hear me. And these are top-notch people. I was, I was in the House of Lords to meet Lord Traceman. They took me and mommy to, to the Queen's chamber. Apart from the, the throne in the House of Lords, there's another throne in a chamber where the, it's not open to the public. But Lord Traceman is a lord in waiting. As a lord in waiting, he's recognized as a member of the royal house as a so so he has a right to go there so he took us there me and mommy to see these things and i knew that this one is surpassing grace in the house of laws i have friends who have been there they have british passport been there for 30 years they haven't even gone to the house of commons i was in the house of laws and i had a lord taking me around Showing me and showing me history, me and my wife. I looked at mommy, mommy will be smiling, say, 
And then Going around house of laws that they are giving us history, and then whilst we are going, we'll meet staff in the house of laws who will recognize and respect Lord Trisman. Say, My Lord, my Lord. And I used to see this in videos like the rain and the, the crown, and what I saw with my eyes. I'm now experiencing it and I'm seeing it. And when the people say, My Lord, I feel like I'm the Lord. It is called surpassing grace. That's why I believe that some of you can become the president of this country. Because there's a surpassing grace upon you. Some of you can own a bank because there's a surpassing grace upon you. Some of you become powerful CEOs, powerful MPs, powerful uh, first ladies because of surpassing grace. And you need to be praying for that, for that less surpassing grace manifest in my life. You need to understand these things to be able to position yourself well. That's why you don't have to be jealous of anybody. If there's a surpassing grace on someone, you rather have to tap into the grace of that person. I will show you very soon how you can connect to other people's grace. You don't have to be jealous of anybody. So why is daddy showing uh, you went to house of laws and so why? And so why? Is that heaven? Is that heaven? Bachelor 2 is not heaven, but you are here. Okay, number five, the partaking grace. The partaking grace. The partaking grace. Oh, amazing. The partaking grace. I'm, I'm ending in four minutes. The partaking grace. Philippians 1 verse 7. Even as, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have, I have you in my heart. In as much as both in my bonds, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are all partakers of my grace. This is Paul talking. Ye are all partakers of my grace. You see, this morning, you are all partakers of my grace. You see, Charles, Kevin, Savia, Ben, um, where's my daughter? Sylvia. Where's Sylvia? Sylvia is there. Sylvia, we, we, Sylvia is now doing an MSc in accounting and finance. Sylvia didn't know anything about accounting and finance, did you? And I came to a crowd business school. We gave her a scholarship, undergraduate for four years. Mommy put her in the account department for four years. Then when she finished, she came to see me. She wants to do um, accounting and finance. We're giving her this thing. We're giving her a career in accounting and finance. Do you know what that means? She is a partaker of my grace. Sylvia came as a national service person. Now, Sylvia is a top-notch programs my academics you know the way the guy understands the work he does and now he understands it more than me he's a partaker of my grace some of you having been in this church having heard me preach your life is shaped you have found direction you have found hope in life you are a partaker of my grace not like I own the grace it's the grace of God on me but I am willing to share it. So you become a partaker of that grace. Are you here? There's a grace upon your life. Your whole family is waiting for them to become a partaker of that grace. Allow yourself. Allow God to use you. Allow God to use you. Pray more. Study more. Draw closer to the Lord. And you will see you will become like a broken dam. 
everybody will be drinking from your well. You are a carrier of grace. People want to become partakers of that grace. This generation is waiting for your manifestation. I made a deal for young people in Ghana. So traveling to the UK and paying like 12,000 pounds a year and look for accommodation. And the, um, um, the number of things, you, I mean, accommodation for like 600 to 1,000 pounds every month, eating in the UK and everything. I brought the whole program to Ghana here for just $5,000 a year. Leave at home, come to school with Trotro. If you like, walk. For $5,000, I'm getting Ghanaian youth to partake of my grace. I have the grace to negotiate for academic things. I have the grace to build schools. I have the grace to develop people. So they are going to partake of my grace. Anybody who brings a child to Accra Business School to study that course at that cheap price. And in the middle of the program, you can travel to Europe, Ireland or Wales. And after that, stay and find job to do and take care of your family. You are partaking of my grace. But if I had not allowed myself, how could you have partaken? Be part of my grace. But you carry the same grace. The grace God has given you. You must allow yourself for people to become partakers of that grace. Are you here? You must allow yourself for people to become partakers of the grace of God upon your life. That's why you must pray more. That's why you must get closer to him. That's why you must let him speak to you. You are bigger than you think. You are stronger than you think. You are more influential than you think. You can have dominion. You can excel. You can break through. You can be a big man. You can be a big woman. Because the grace of God is upon you. So I want you to leave your one to the back of your mind. Something called grace restart. You are restarting your grace. You are rebooting your grace. Lord, reboot me. Reboot me. All the discouragement, all the negative things people have said about me that made me feel like I was useless and I do not amount to anything. Lord, reboot the greatness in me. The grace that will make me good. Because even in my weakness, your power is made perfect. Even in my weakness, your power is made fair. Am I talking to the next president of this country? Am I talking to the next great leader of this country? Am I talking to the person who's who is going to change his family? Am I talking to that woman who will change the course of the history in your family because of the grace of God upon your life? Finally, please put on screen, the abounding grace. They abound in grace. I have raised sons whose fathers disowned them. And they came to stay with me in my house. Today they are pastors. They are apostles. Their fathers asked them, leave my house. Because their father did not have what we call abounding grace. Let me show you something. Go. Romans 5.20. Look at it. The law was brought in so that trespass might increase. But, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. No, without laws, there is no sin. In fact, when God started giving the people of Israel sin, 
a law. That was where sin was. Law, sin simply means breaking the laws of God. So if God didn't give us laws, nobody would have been a sinner. You would have been a sinner as a result of Adam and Eve's sin, but you would not have practiced sin because what law are you breaking? You, you will kill somebody, but if there is no law, that means you are a murderer. You are free, you are going. So, so the laws came, and now human beings also added their laws. And now everywhere you pass, you sin. Everywhere you pass, you sin. Like in a house, my father has so many laws that in obeying one, you disobey the other. <laughs> you understand? He was an old, a crapping man, an old teacher, and an old priest. Being a crapping man alone, is a, he was, was a top person to hang around with. And then he was a teacher too, another disciplinary this thing. And then he was a priest too. So he had so many laws that obeying one, you disobey the other. But there was also another thing about my father, that he has a lot of grace. So even though you disobey this law, he always gave you another chance. He gave you grace. It's called abounding grace. So when the laws were made, the people of Israel started disobeying the laws. And they were always sinning. So now God brought Jesus to bring us grace. So at any time they sinned and broke the law, grace. Now God's first reaction to you when you sin is not judgment, but mercy. Because he's a gracious God. If God had dealt with all of us according to our sins, none of us would have been here. But he has dealt with us according to his righteousness. That is grace. But you see, there's a big question. So Paul wrote and said that anytime you, you in the Old Testament, anytime you sinned, it was judgment. But since Jesus came, anytime you sinned, you had grace. And Paul realized that because they now had grace, they were sinning a lot and sinning a lot. So Paul said something. Look at something. Look at something. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may abound? Make, no. Romans 6 verse 1. No, 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 no. You cannot go. So there's, anytime you sin, God gives you grace. Anytime you sin, God gives you grace. Like right now, God is giving you grace. But the grace must lead to repentance. So this is called abounding grace. But abounding grace will not always be there. Because one day, God will not show himself as the Lord of grace. But as a judgment, a judgment, a, a, a God of judgment. In most cases, he's a lamb. But some cases, he becomes a lion. Don't get to the lion aspect of God. So every sin you have committed today, there is enough grace to take you out of that sin. You know, sometimes... The reason why we keep sinning, when you doubt that you have not been forgiven, it's not because God has not forgiven you. It's because you have not forgiven yourself. And when you don't forgive yourself, you feel very guilty and you think it's God who has not forgiven you. But I've come to tell somebody, grace abounds today. No matter what you have done, there is enough grace for you. No matter what you have done, there is enough grace for you today. God's reaction to you today is not condemnation. God is not condemning you. God is not rejecting you. He's extending grace to you. Will you today respond to that grace? Rise on your feet, begin to pray. Talk to him about grace. You know the grace you are looking for. Just talk to the Lord right now. Talk to him about grace. Talk to him about grace.